shit, I can't hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had to be perfect. Um, I don't know if anybody, you guys aren't hearing that music, right? No. All right, so we might not have music for the intro for this podcast, but welcome <laughs> to Vet Club. Uh, for those of you who were here, the last time you guys were here, we were um, we were still Veterinary Journal Club, but we rebranded because um, we weren't really doing a lot of journal clubs. Ironically, now I, I am doing a weekly journal club, but uh, um, welcome back to Vet Hangout number two. Uh, this is a super duper special episode of the podcast. Um, so I, I, I'll get to that in just a second, but excited to welcome back Vet Hangout crew from the first time around, one of our most popular podcasts, by the way. We have Dr. Carl Southern, Dr. Kat, Temple Kissera and Dr. Sam Wigglesworth. And yeah, and so you guys want to know the super exciting part about this episode? Yeah. It is our hundredth episode. Nice. So this is, yeah, this is episode number 100, which means we're not actually going to do anything. We're just going to play clips from the previous ones. You guys feel like that's always a sitcom. They're like, it's our hundredth episode, and all they do is show clips from like the previous yeah. six seasons. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to have we're going to have a real uh, a real podcast. Uh, this is like this is this is actually how I convince you guys to get all together so we can get caught up. <laughs> Things I'm like, what if we recorded it? <laughs> you guys are like, okay, um, yeah. So I sent a text a little bit ago and was like, guys, it's time for round two. Um, we need to have another vet hangout, and so super excited to have you guys back. Um, so yeah, I do have a theme planned. Um, this came up a little while ago, but we can also start with just a little, little catching up, um, with what everybody's doing. Um, Carl's, I I feel like just everybody's got some announcements. Um, Carl, since last we spoke, you've got a new job or you've accepted a new position. You don't have a new job, but yeah. So you're going to be clinical assistant professor, of emergency critical care at the University of Florida starting. Correct. Woo! Yeah, applause. I have Correct. an applause button, but I don't know which one it is. And it sounds like working anyway. So woo! We'll thank just you, do thank it that you, way. thank you. Yeah. So uh, congratulations. Very exciting. Very happy for you. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Very it good. is exciting. I'm I'm happy and excited, nervous, all in the same feeling. But yeah. Heck yeah, that's that's how you're supposed to feel. That's how I think probably all of us felt at that first, that first job after the residency. Yeah. It's a, it's a mixture of exciting and scary. And you're like, woohoo, I'm finally an adult. And you're like, oh crap, I'm finally an adult. Oh crap. <laughs> oh, yep. Crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously the big, the big boards hurdle um, looming. Yeah. Um, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. That is, that's the right reaction. Um, that's the best feeling is when you're done with the exam. You're like, oh, I failed that, but at least I'm done with it. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, Can't wait. Uh, but yeah, we'll be rooting for you. We're all here. If you, uh, you've got Thank questions, you. like I said, I'll send more unsolicited study tips. I was Take uh, it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What other announcements do we have that you guys want to share on the podcast? <laughs> I guess I didn't ask you, Carl. I was like, you are, we are sharing this whether you want to or not. This wasn't a secret, right? Not uh, at all. <laughs> not anymore uh, at least yeah <laughs> that's right yeah uh, what did Kat say all dozen followers I'd like you know we have more people listening <laughs> yeah, she yeah. Did. She did. yeah she did she I feel <laughs> like I was quoting you at some point <laughs> well yeah that was a couple years ago when we only had a dozen followers we've got a lot more now we got a lot of people listening um, uh, there's okay. like at least three dozen <laughs> oh good <laughs> uh I'm Almost 19 weeks pregnant, which Woo! is exciting. Yay. Let's yeah, that's go. what I was like. Maybe she doesn't want to share this on the podcast. Oh, I was like, fine. I should probably, yeah. <laughs> so exciting. 
Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Uh, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. 19, you're almost halfway, halfway yeah, done. You're, you're halfway. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. I, oh, I, I yes. was doing the math yesterday and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> that's what Wyatt says. Wyatt yeah. says, oh, wow. Yeah. Gets me. He's like, oh, wow. wow. He's like, wow, 19. I didn't, Congrats, I didn't I just Kat. flew by. If you see the look on his face, that's what he was saying. So yeah, super exciting. Super happy for mm-hmm. you and Andy Bowles. Is it twins? Very, very cool. Not twins. twins. That was the ah. very first thing at our first ultrasound. Andy's like, I look for two heartbeats. I look for two sacks. <laughs> I, did, I only saw one of everything. I wasn't even thinking about that. And he oh was like, God. one hey. baby. <laughs> oh, man. He's smart. Like, you got to look, man. You got to look. I guess. But like, what are you going to do if it's not like. <laughs> cry like, more. Uh, you with you it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cry harder. <laughs> yeah. You're not like, uh, just kidding. <laughs> We're going to change yeah. our minds. Like, nope, you're in it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like in some ways that'd be good if you decide you wanted more kids, like just be done with it, right? Uh, that was oh, my no, I don't I was <laughs> I wish I had two so I could be done. I don't want to go through no, it again. I feel <laughs> like I like hate like not hate them, but I wouldn't enjoy the moment because you're struggling <laughs> to just survive more. So I'm glad that it's what? not it's not too <laughs> sorry to anybody who was a twin out there. <laughs> right, exactly. We're just crushing all the twins. Um <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. Like it's nature. You just, you get what you get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you know what, I feel like if you guys had had twins, you'd be like, at first you'd be like, Holy crap, this is terrifying. But you know what? This is awesome. Like we're, this is great. This is good. I think that's what you do. Right. You just, you make it work after, after yeah. the first few months. After the first few months. Oh, it's definitely after survival mode. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I think when they're babies, it probably is like double the workload, but as they get older, it's mm. probably not. I don't know. You just figure out new game plans is all you figure out ways to make it work. So yeah. 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 Because you know, I mean, well, maybe Wyatt is like two babies. We don't know. You don't. You don't know either, Sam. <laughs> he could even like, be very energetic. They said yeah. they, they don't. They wonder how much caffeine we drink to keep up with him. So I, I feel like he's a crazy baby. Yeah, he's four but, babies. Yeah, you. I mean, so nobody as a parent, like you don't have your. You, you're just making up the scale as you go along. So probably every parent thinks that, right? Like, oh, this is definitely four babies worth of baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm watching Sam pick him up and down. And it seems like a lot of babies. <laughs> this is his nap time right now. Oh, why? He woke up at five. So this is his. Oof. What, what time is it there again, Sam? Are you behind us? She's it's, an hour behind it's nine. Yeah. Nine, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 Why it's letting us know. Yeah. Well, yo, I've been up since five. Time to go down. No, he's been up since five. That doesn't mean they were, right? we weren't telling sam about or sam we weren't telling cat about that oh (laughs) no i am hey he's the night now so honestly getting up at five is fine yeah i'll take it (laughs) that's good that's good sam very that's so sam oh well sam's gone sam her news is she's chasing her baby down (laughs) (laughs) oh I was, wasn't sure if Kat was frozen there for a second or just. Oh yeah, you still. froze for a second on my screen. Oh okay, all right, that's okay. I was like, what about you, Connor? Do you have any new news? Um, I, you know what? Not for the podcast, but when we're done, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> How's <laughs> that? <laughs> right back. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. We'll see you soon, Sounds Sam. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, we'll save that. We'll save that for uh, okay. after the recording is ended. So yeah, there's a. It maybe maybe one day in the next few months we'll make an announcement on the podcast, but it's it's not ready for public consumption yet. Okay. <laughs> that, that leaves that? a big that's a big open. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So we'll save that. All right. So this will this will be fun. Sam can um, can come back. I guess we just kill time until she comes back, and I'll save the theme for for when she comes back. But uh, uh, yeah. So we were talking before. Uh, Carl and I were chatting when uh, he came on to help me with the sound check. <laughs> we were chatting because today is match day in veterinary mm. medicine. Cat, were you even aware? Am I aware? Match day. Did you know it was match day? Yeah. Because you yeah. Don't, you don't have residents yet, right? No, I don't. And we can't because it's just me. We it's lost just you. The yeah. Clinicals. Yeah. So yeah. I can't. Do you guys have um, interns at your hospital? We do, but okay. we through just a change in my hospital mm-hmm. last year, there was a lot of revamping and changing of structure. And so we chose to pull out of the match because gotcha. we felt like we weren't able to give the interns the time Good they needed. You. That's cool. And so we're revamping all of it this year. I think surgery is still moving forward with their intern. I don't know if they matched or not. I'll find out at like one o'clock when I have lunch with one of the surgeons. Um, but other than that, and I, and I have to find out about medicine because they were staying in the match because they have their own way of doing sure. things. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the rest you know, we just had to change things up and we acknowledged yeah. that we weren't giving the interns the time they needed. Ah, good for you so, guys, actually. Yeah. Yep. Kudos yep. for just saying, Hey, we're not in a good place. We'll, we'll get back to it, but right. Um, right. Yeah. Rebuild. That, well, I just feel like a lot of, a lot of places treat interns as cheap labor instead right. of saying, no, they're here for training. Like, right. you know, yes, they're going to do work and they're going to help in the hospital, yeah. but it's specifically, it, everything needs to be toward like, what, how, how are we training them? That's exactly right. Important. So yeah, exactly. good on you guys. Um, I, I think that speaks a lot to your hospital and your program and yeah. the people running it, yeah. but, uh, but today was match day um, for those that were in the match. Yeah. So this morning we, Carl and I were saying, when I've been looking at intern applications, student applications to get into vet school, residency applications, if I took my applications from each of those stages of my life and just threw them in the pool, I wouldn't even be considered for any of them. Garbage. Either. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a problem because I feel like we're all pretty good. <laughs> you know, sure, like, yeah, we are. We, we should have gotten into the you know vet school <laughs> internship residency. And the fact yep. that our applications have, it's not that long. I mean, I don't want to do the math, but it, you know, it hasn't been that long that everything mm-hmm. has changed so much, but the bar has been set. Yeah. And I don't know that it's necessarily that institutions have kept raising the bar. I think what happened was it got so competitive that, you know, students kept being like, oh, here's this, here's this, I'm doing this, I'm adding all these things on. And then it just became that that was the minimum you had yeah. to do. And, and I think it's a problem. I, I think it's not good. It is. Um, so I was at the AVMC conference this past weekend in DC. Nice which is basically like all the deans and associate deans and all the people who are running like curricula and things like that get together and they talk about like, what are we doing? So it's not like vet med content stuff. It's administrative type content. Um, and I, I've been working with a group when we presented some stuff there. And um, the thing that, that comes up is like, how are we, admission stuff comes up a lot. Um, you know, I went to a presentation that was really great on um, what criteria we're using for internships and residencies and, and, they, they made a really good point that we're, we, a lot of places rely too heavily on GPA and class rank for internships mm-hmm. and residencies. And that's a hundred percent true. And I totally agree with it. However, if you, if you take that away or you make that less valuable, all you're doing is just shifting other things like your letter of intent and your letters of recommendation and your ability to have done research and all these other things now are, are worth more. And that's still problematic because one, we know that letters of recommendation are biased. Like, you know, mm-hmm. good and bad. 
you know, you're biased for the person, but also they can, they can have their own biases. Like if you work with somebody for three weeks and that's it. And you yeah. didn't like that, like, you know, your whole career is, is based on that. It's kind of silly. Um, and then just the the different experiences that people can do. One of the things that they brought up in the presentation that I thought was really great is, yeah, we value, oh, you know, this, these students got to do research or this person was, you know, president of this club, or they did all these extracurricular things. But like, what about the person who had to just work a part-time job during that school to support themselves or had to take care of family, you know, children or elderly, you know, family members Mm -hmm. or not even elderly. Like what if you you, you don't know? And like, Mm -hmm. are we valuing that? And, you know, so I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I agree that GPA is not going to be a good predictor of who's going to be successful, not but I'm not sure those, no, but I'm not sure those other things are like, if you remove, yeah. So like, we don't wait here at Virginia tech for our interns, like the GPA class rank is a, is a small percentage of what we, we do, we do look at it, but it, you know, it's part of a, a holistic approach, but, but if you, the, the less that counts, it just means other things count more. And we're not necessarily like the VIRMP application doesn't say like tell us about you know the other things that you're doing that make you a well-rounded individual and might make you a good candidate for this um but yeah so i we just need to kind of like blow up the system i think that's what i think we need to redo the way we the way we reselect candidates for everything we should just like redo them all okay all right i want to hear what you guys say so this is what Topher and i want to do um, this is what we think should happen. So to get into vet school or inter- whatever, you pick pick a thing. You say, what's the minimum, mi- the bare minimum standard? Like you have to have a 2.0 GPA. I don't even know. You decide what your floor is. And then you have to have taken these courses and pass them. You have to get a C in chemistry and biochemistry and biology, whatever. You decide what, what is your bare minimum. And then mm-hmm. everybody who passes that threshold gets thrown into a lottery. A lottery? Oh, Oh, my, okay. my daughter's in school. She's in a lottery to get into kindergarten right yeah. now. And yeah. it's literally, we just find out at the end of this month, mm-hmm. she gets in or not. That's all yeah. it is. And it's just, it's just statistics. Yep. But, but is that any more or less fair than like, what if they were giving your daughter a test to get into friggin' preschool or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Now, if you're like, Hey, but like, we are privileged and we can send her to these great schools and we can do all these other <laughs> things. And, and, right. you know, I, if you could, then you're like, well, no, I want her to have those opportunities, but <clears throat> does that make, does that make her a better candidate um, for, you know, elementary school? <laughs> Um, or whatever, but like for vet school, I mean, how many people do you really know that failed out of vet school or failed out of an internship or failed out of a residency? Like they happen. Um, Mm -hmm. but is it, is it the people who, like, if you had gone back and looked at their application, did they have the worst application? I bet they didn't. I know people, people I know, um, that, uh, ended up flunking out of an internship. One of them was the valedictorian of their class of their Mm -hmm. vet school class. And they, they didn't do well in it. So like, I mean, there's anecdotal reports of that all the time, but the numbers are so few, like there's so few people who don't make it through that you're not even going to be able to draw any conclusions. And so, okay. So step one is it's a lottery system. If you make that minimum threshold, then it's just a lottery. Like literally I was like, what if we got like one of those bingo things and everybody gets a ping pong? Oh gosh. And we make it like, (laughs) we make it like the NFL draft. It's this big uh, ceremony. Do you get more ping pongs in there for a reason? Yes. If you're applying the second time and then Mm. the third time. So you get the only thing that gives you additional weight is persistence because you want it. I, oh my God. I'm <laughs> uh, yeah, that's your guy. Uh, like, things, you guys right? don't like it. Someone okay. that like did all the extra stuff, yeah. but still probably would not have been a superior candidate in today's pool. That hurts me a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Unless like your floor before. was, unless your floor was considerably higher than like a 2.0 and a yeah. C. Sure. Um, then I feel like, like, I feel like if your floor was still, I, I doubt that would be wrong. Yeah. yeah, sure. But yeah. you know, but like just, a 3.0 and a B average. What about, what about if you get a combination of like, say you have, say for vet school, say yeah. you have a hundred seats yeah. and out of that 150 are lottery and the other 50 are. Oh, like I like that idea. Traditional, like you meet these requirements, we give you an interview and we select you. So there's schools that do that now, like I, or I don't know if they do still they? do. So I know for a long time, NC State, they would admit a certain number of people just based on their grades. Boom, mm-hmm. those seats are filled, done. And then they only yeah. interview the next round. So that's the problem with that though, is so here's what's going to happen. It's just going to mean those 50, those people are like, so yeah, I started my own nonprofit and, <laughs> um, you know, I'm the mayor of our town and, you know, yeah. like it's the bar is just going to keep getting higher and higher. And I don't know, I don't think that any, um, you're coming in a little late here, Sam. It got, it got exciting. I threw out a pretty radical suggestion. Oh, okay. But <laughs> radical is the right I word. Know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty radical. Okay, so I wanna get your reaction first. So vet school applications, new yes. system, new system. Okay. We create um, minimum criteria that you have to, you meet these minimum criteria. You, a minimum GPA, 3.0, 2.0, I don't know. We set minimum GPA, certain classes you have to take and pass certain you know, classes, very similar to what we have now. But once you meet, meet that minimum threshold, everybody who's applied to that school gets thrown into a lottery and then it's just random chance who gets in. Hmm. So it's like hmm. internship and match? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, now, so internship and match, I would do it the same way. Now the difference is depending on what, like right now, internship is very much that way because there's enough internship spots yeah. for everybody who wants them. Yeah. The vet school, there's pretty close to enough spots. Like there's not that many people who get turned down. Um, but residencies, it depends on the specialty, right? Like there are like our specialty that you could do it that way. Yeah. Um, opto, you couldn't do it that way. So like it does depend, but um, but I just think we we have this, Okay, here's, I'm going to test this out and see how you guys feel about this. You all know how I feel about prognostic indicators, <laughs> right? So somebody publishes a study and says, all right, if you do this, this test, blah, 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 you know, 70% of patients that have, uh, uh, you know, a, a glucose that's below this are going to survive or they're going to die. And you guys know how I feel about applying prognostic indicators to the individual patient. You cannot do it. You cannot yeah. do it because it only works for a population. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're taking these criteria, we're taking these prognostic indicators in an application for vet school or internship or residency, and we're trying to apply them to an individual. And an individual is either going to succeed or they're going to fail out. That is a one or a zero. And we're trying to apply population statistics to individuals. And what happens is certain individuals get euthanized early. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know it's, it's a bit harsh, but people don't get a chance. Some people don't get a chance to prove themselves, even though we know the the survival rate for vet school is really high. Like everybody Mm -hmm. we let in, almost all of them make it through. Almost everybody who does an internship completes it successfully. Almost everybody who starts a residency, like the the numbers are incredibly high. And we think that we can apply these, these metrics to an individual. And I just don't think we can. We all know examples of people. Some of us were those people that didn't meet those classic high standards and we've succeeded. 
And, um, and so that's my, my radical suggestion. And when Topher and I were talking and he said that, and I was like, oh my God, I just had an epiphany that I need to explain this in the same way we talk about prognostic indicators and how you shouldn't apply those to individuals. And I feel like that's yeah. what we're doing with these admissions criteria. And it, 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 the, we, we know the numbers disproportionately affect underrepresented minorities and people of low socioeconomic yeah. status. We know yep. that. Yep. We so- know that. Dr. Connor, did you present this at that conference? Dr. Connor? That was weird. <laughs> I don't know how you want to be referenced um, in the setting. Did I present this at the, at the conference? Yes. No, I'm thinking that'll be next year's presentation. Um, I was actually after this conference that I was driving home from DC. So we like a four and a half hour drive. Gotcha. And of course, poor Topher has to listen to me for all of this. And so we're spitballing these ideas. Now, I, what I was presenting, um, actually, I was working with a group from um, some of the Northeastern schools. We are putting together. Are you guys familiar with CBVE, competency-based veterinary education? Not really. Okay. No. That's all right. I'm not going to go into it a lot, but there's a group a of people, uh, not a lot, a group <laughs> of people who are putting together um, basically that to get through vet school rather than like you had an A or a B or C, like, can you do these things? Can you get a history? Can you do a physical mm. exam? And it's based on your competencies. Um, so they have nine. Sign domains. me up. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, in fact, there's probably people at, at Florida that are doing that. You should talk to the people. But yeah, um, th- this is the thing. So it's a real thing. And probably the AVMA um, is going to adopt it formally, I would say within the next 10 years. Um, a lot of schools are, are officially adopting it as their framework. But um, we were saying, hey, we need a 10th domain. Um, we need one uh, dedicated to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. And so we were writing competencies that, um, same kind of thing. Can you, um, can you take a, a, an accurate history? Can you do a physical exam? These would be in the realm of DEIJ. Like, do you do you know what a microaggression is and can you recognize it if you see it? Like that, we're saying, we're proposing maybe that could be part of that school curriculum. That That's what my group was presenting. We're like, we've been working on this for the past year and we were like ready to, we're not ready, it's not final, but we're like, we're ready for some feedback. So we presented it to this group to get some feedback, like what's working, what are our gaps? Um, and that was really good. But just, these are the kinds of things that come up at this conference. And so, um, yeah, so I think you're right, Kat, I think I'll have to present that next year. Um, here's my idea, just blow up the system. Cause I, <laughs> but then, then like we had that epiphany in the drive home where it's like that analogy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's probably why I'm so bothered by it because it's the same thing. We're trying to apply population statistics to an individual. Are you going to use your actual example, which is definitely the GDV paper and lactate? Probably. That seems like a good one. Um, <laughs> why wouldn't I? Um, we shouldn't be euthanizing dogs with GDV because their lactate is a certain lo- level and we shouldn't be eliminating students from um, achieving their goals because they miss some arbitrary cutoff of GPA. I just I'm not sure we should, or the GRE. We all know the GRE is a good predictor of a successful vet, right? Like what? So many schools have you've gotten rid of it. They've dropped it yeah. completely, but they're yeah. still using these other things. And I'm like, but you know, you get one crappy letter of recommendation, you're out. Like oh, one person, yep. you get four letters, three of them are great, and one of them is like, oh, this or, person has interpersonal skills, and then they're toast. Or you get letters from that are great letters, but then they say these letters carry no weight because these people are not, you know, big yeah. in the community. Right. Yeah, they're like, not the right specialists. They're not the right yeah, letters. Yeah. Or oh, that they, was one they of those wrote was great words for you. They they, mm-hmm. like, they explained everything for you mm-hmm. perfectly. But they're like, I don't mm-hmm. know this person, so they're useless to me. Yeah, or you write a letter of intent that's kind of weird, and I'm just like, well, that person seems weird. I don't, I don't, you know, like that's not fair. And I've mm-hmm. had that reaction before. Like I can be honest and be like, ooh, I don't know if this person's going to be a good fit, yeah. and that's not fair. I shouldn't be able to do that, but that's the system we have, and it doesn't seem right. Um, so anyhow, but. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Sam? 
<laughs> they, they both said what they thought before you came back. Oh, I missed it then. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Part of me is like, um, not, I, I feel like there's like, I, I agree with you, like a certain baseline I almost think should be met. Um, but then it's like nice to know their extracurricular. So the person who maybe, you know, just barely hit the cutoff GPA wise, but has like six different jobs listed, like that person yeah. worked their butt off to maintain all of that and work those jobs. Like do those things, obviously it depends on the reviewer and it depends on mm -hmm. how much you, you know, how heavily do you take things, right. um, as far, especially if they get one letter that's kind of derogatory and then they have like that borderline GPA, is that one going to get tossed when the person, you know, clearly worked like a dog all through, you know, high school and, and undergrad um, versus just the lottery. I, I don't know. The lottery just makes it sound like it makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And you have people who work really hard, but yeah, I do think that the system unfortunately will negate some, some kids that are, that are going to be yeah. great candidates and great veterinarians. Yeah. And they unfortunately get missed in the system, but yeah. I mean, there's not going to be a perfect system. So the lottery, yes, makes me slightly uncomfortable, it's, but I, I mean, but otherwise it's personal opinion on things oh, that, that yeah. I'll get. So here's the other thing you might, you probably didn't catch, but the only way that you can increase. So, so my plan was to make it like bingo and everybody who applies gets a bingo, a, a ping pong ball with their name on it. Um, and the only way you can get extra ping pong balls is if you're applying for the second time. Like if you, if you applied last year and you didn't get in, which means if you keep applying, you'll get in as long as you meet the minimum threshold. You will like statistically you will. Cause eventually then in the third year you get three ping pong balls and we'll, Sofer said he would do the math to figure out like at what point are you pretty much guaranteed? And I think he's thinking it might be the third try. So if you're persistent and you're like, this is what I want to do. You will get it. You just, you just might not get it in the timeline that you wanted. You might get lucky and get it the first try. And that's obviously going to depend on how many people apply. Well, that's how it is now too, though. Sometimes, sometimes it happens that way. Like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes yeah people keep way. trying, but it's usually because they were told, oh, you need to do this in the next year. Mm -hmm, you need to get that mm -hmm. large animal experience or you need to go yeah. work with this person or you need to increase yeah. these hours. Okay, so this was a stat that came out in this in the AVMC meeting that I was like, that is messed up. Okay, so most vet schools have a requirement. You have to do a certain number of hours of veterinary or animal experience, right? Like most of us had to do something like that. We had to log hours. And the range for what the minimum is, is somewhere around like, 150, 250, like those are the hours that are you're required to do. The average number of hours that admitted students, the students that got admitted into any vet school, the average number of hours of veterinary experience they had, 30. yes. 30? Nope. The minimum requirement was 150 to 250. Like they vary. Oh, so, then, so then 300. What do you guys think? 150. 150. Same as right rules. I'll, I'll go high. I'll go, I'll go 400. All right. How about 2,400 and some odd Shut hours? The freak up. That's a problem. 2,000 hours. Yes, they, yes. Those were the numbers from Vimcast. Yeah. They presented no that. Way. And I was like, what? No way. A hundred percent. So students are logging. 2,000. Yes. Yes. That's not real. Students are logging hours for years and years and years. It is real. And when that's you the start problem. middle school. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing. Some of these students get groomed from it. And I'm not even sure they want to do this. Like right. we're getting these students. And I, I don't. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So the, the bar is being raised astronomically high. You know how many people couldn't possibly do that? Somebody who has a Me? couple full-time jobs, Sam. Yeah. I, I didn't design until I was in undergrad, like my mm -hmm. second year that I was yeah. in a place. So now you've met the minimum criteria. 
But if you're being compared against people who've done 2000 hours worth now, now, now I don't know what I, and I asked at this meeting, um, I asked, cause I was like, wait a minute, what was the average number of hours? And, and was it, what, what about the people who were not admitted? Cause was that significantly lower? So were people using that as a metric or is it just that everybody right. is, is yeah. submitting ridiculous number of hours and they didn't have that answer for me. Um, but 2000, but that's yes. 2,400 hours. That's for those so, hours. Well, they're all volunteer. <laughs> again, that's you, all over. That's all over the place. But that's telling me exactly. But like, what, a, what what kind of privilege does it take to be able right. to do that? Correct. And who are we not allowing in because it has gotten out of hand? And that's why I want to go to a lottery. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that was not supposed to be the theme for the talk today. <laughs> um, but we, I wanted to wait for Sam. Is Wyatt sleeping now? Yeah. All right. Uh, ooh, got the monitor. We're ready to go. Hey, so we had that one. That. You had that exact one. <laughs> yeah, it's broke now. <laughs> <laughs> they wore it out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, or maybe you just turned it off. Is that what it was? <laughs> You're like, oh no, we dropped broke. it. Yeah. Oh, I just crushed it. Uh, was that like office space? You get to a certain point in your life, and oh, you're just going to go out therapeutically the and just crush it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That seems like a thing that you would do. <laughs> um, okay, so I, we're going to change gears a little bit because the, the theme that I, I had originally, we had this idea when I reached out to you guys, um, we wanted to talk about like intimidation and being intimidated and people who are intimidating and um, <laughs> well, you wanted me on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, wanted, I wanted everybody's perspective um, because I was on, I was on a search committee and I was talking with some people and they were, they were just mentioning somebody in the hospital who was very intimidating. And like, you guys know me, I'm kind of like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Why? Like, what, what about this person is intimidating? And it was like a technician and they were like, well, she's scary. I'm like scared. Like, is she holding a knife? Like what, like, what does that mean? Like, is she threatening violence against you? Cause I think that's illegal. Like, what about this person is scary? Um, because like, I don't know, like if you're holding a knife, yes, that seems intimidating, but like in a work environment, so what are the kinds of things that you guys, because I've also been told on occasion that I'm intimidating, which I think is ridiculous. I've never wielded a knife at work. Um, <laughs> but I, and I think there's, sure. Um, and I, I think there's probably things about me that that's, that's fair. But I also think plenty of people are not intimidated by me um, and can come up to me and ask me questions and feel like I'm approachable. Like for me, intimidating is the opposite of approachable. I, that Maybe that's not right, um, but that's kind of how I think about it. And I don't know. I'm just like, I'm working with people and I have a question. I was like, well, I'm going to ask a question. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not afraid to go up to somebody or, Hey, I need help with something. I'm going to go ask for help. Um, but, but so I wanted to get your guys' perspectives, um, you know, and, and has that changed? Has how you feel about that? Has that changed um, as your positions have changed, as you've moved through the profession that were there scenarios or people or situations that were intimidating or people that you were intimidated by that you think back now and you're like, what was I thinking? Um, or you're like, no, that person still intimidates the Jesus out of me. Um, so that's, that's where I would like to, I want to hear you guys' perspectives. Who wants to go first? Ladies, ladies first. <laughs> nice, Carl. All right, Kat. Uh, well, I can say that I've been on the receiving end of your intimidating. <laughs> of my, oh, of I, being told you're intimidating. Yeah, yeah. To which it was mostly in the residency. Yeah. Uh, and to which I'd be like, I don't even remember talking to you. Like, it was <laughs> an interaction that I didn't even remember. It's like, who are you? <laughs> well, in the sense of like, 
I actually remember one, it was during, um, you'll remember this, Bobby, the, uh, the oversight of eight weeks in a row of overnights I was put on. Remember okay. that? Okay. During the uh, second year of my residency. And I was very tired because I was on eight weeks of overnights in a row. And it was probably in the middle of that. And, uh, one of my faculty, uh, during the beginning of my next shift was like, Hey, I just got to bring something up to you. The students during rounds are very intimidated by you. And they feel like, uh, you know, like I, and I don't remember the exact conversation, but I remember at the end, she was like, I just have to tell you. And then we both honestly just kind of laughed about it and moved on because it's the nature of being exhausted and just wanting to get through your shift. And you're right. not really being silly with people. You're just like, these right. are the facts. About Let's the just get it done. Like, move on. Yeah. And, and that's, and you know, she had been there for that rounds. And so she yeah. knew what did or didn't happen, Yeah. but it was just the, um, and I remember that because I remember saying, I interacted with them literally in cage side rounds. That was right. my only interaction right. with them. And that's and when they so felt it, intimidated. Yes. And yeah. so it was kind of like, okay. In that moment <laughs> I was like, sorry, but I'm, yeah. I'm the only doctor here. I'm in charge yeah. of the entire ICU. I have to oversee the intern. I need to get through these cases and you just need to feed me the information and then we need to move on. And that probably comes off in and of itself, very intimidating and unapproachable as you Not said, everybody but, would be intimidated by that. But right? I think like in some, some people situation, would be like, it's just, it is this, the, if the person, my perspective is the other person on the other end that feels intimidated needs to acknowledge the situation. Right. And like what that moment represents and, and realize if it's personal or not. Right. So these, but these were students that had said they felt intimidated by you. Yes. To yeah. which like, again, thankfully the same person that gave me the information had been there and was like, yeah, yeah. Nothing I was there. Like, yeah. 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 You, yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean, you were my faculty, right? So you, and I mean, no, both I don't Sam remember was faculty story. and resident mate of mine and Carl. Yeah. Carl is resident mate. So, I mean, you guys can speak to it. Like sometimes when it's, I've never felt intimidated by you, Kat. <laughs> Same. I never Same. thought you would be. I also know your personality. I could see right. someone being yeah. sensitive who just thinks that being short and to the point is intimidating right. and it's being right. like, I won't tolerate anything else. And I know more than you, how dare you not know this? And here's what it is. Yeah. But it's a, I think if you don't, if you don't know the personality of someone, it's harder yeah. to interpret some of those yep. things. Yeah. Yeah. You need to know the context. They've never worked eight weeks right. nights. They don't know what, I mean, maybe they have probably not, <laughs> not in that capacity. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I, yeah. I kind of realized personally after a while, once people actually spoke to me outside of like giving me rounds or whatever it was, if they actually like not got to know me, but just had a normal conversation, a different, a different, under different it all, it all faded. It seemed fine. Yeah. And they, they real, and they would tell me I had, I had multiple, especially students say you were so intimidating when I first met you and now <laughs> like my favorite, or, you know, I don't want to sound like that, but like, we got along really oh, well. Sure. And yeah. I, I can't, you know, like everyone's favorite. No, I'm no, 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 what I'm saying. Like they yeah. came, no, yeah. came friendship. Yeah. It's, a, it's a like a complete 180. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, you just had to like realize the situation I was in yeah. and the weight in which 
I was carrying in that moment and it, nothing about it's personal to the point where I couldn't pick you up out of a lineup the next day. Right. That's how non-personal. I don't remember what you said. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay. Question. Carl, Sam, have either of you guys ever been told you were intimidating? Never in my life. Okay. You've never had anybody tell you maybe because you're that intimidating. They're afraid to even tell you (laughs) how intimidating you are. Yeah. I, I think I'm the opposite of intimidating for most people. I, I've never been told I've been intimidating. Never. I've, um, I've indirectly been told. I've never had like, you know, like a supervisor say, um, people are coming up to us and saying that you're intimidating us. Um, but I've heard like indirectly from students, like um, either we thought you were going to be intimidating, um, like you said, Kat, um, people that were like, oh, okay, um, we thought you were going to, like from a distance, like before we got to know you, we thought you were intimidating, but now we don't. Um, and then I've heard, I've, I, I shouldn't say, I have heard from colleagues that they've heard um, most recently, um, we were interviewing a candidate here and um, for one of our ER faculty positions, this was, this was a while ago now, maybe a year ago. And um, the candidate was having um, a meal with somebody else on the, on the search committee. And the candidate made a comment um, to the person they were sitting with about me saying, man, I, I wouldn't want to get on her bad side or I wouldn't want to cross her or something like that. And I was like, well, like, who do you want to get on the bad side of? Like, that's kind of a weird thing. Like, I was like, no, you shouldn't want to get on my bad side because <laughs> I'm, I'm also going to be like, hey, this is a problem and we need to address it. Um, so like they took that as, hey, you can come across as sort of intimidating. I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I've definitely, I've, I've definitely been told at various times that I can be intimidating um, in various contexts. And it's, it's very easy for me to, usually there is um, like that power imbalance, like it's a student or somebody who you do have like some position of authority over, but I've heard it from people who like, we were equal and I'm like, well, how on earth, I, I can understand when there's a power imbalance yeah. because there is, there is that potential, right. Um, for me to have influence over your grades or your career in some way, shape or form. And I, so I, I do understand that, but when it's like equals, it's like, well, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know. I have no power over you. I have no authority over you whatsoever, but there's, there's something else to it. So, all right, we're going to flip it around. When have you felt intimidated by somebody and what were those circumstances, if you don't mind sharing, without using names, unless it's mine, you can call me out, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> do you guys have instances where you're like, yeah, I found this person really intimidating and, and maybe it was like, and I still do, or I eventually kind of like cat situation, I got to know them and it changed. What, what are your experiences with the other side of intimidation? You got one time or you want to go? Uh, I, I think the one that sticks out most in my mind was honestly, when I was a student, it was one of the ICU technicians at the school I went to. Yeah. Um, and I, it was across the board. I wasn't the only student. We were all kind right. of terrified of that technician and she owned the ICU. It was hers. We weren't allowed <laughs> to like and things like that. And it was just, I remember like picking up um, a Doppler to do a blood pressure and it was like, don't touch that. You can't do these things. And I, and I was Immediately, I just, I stocked the beds and I can't even, you can't <laughs> on the treatment sheets either because they were critical patients. Um, so it was, so she would yell at you. Um, yeah, yeah. She was, she kept, it was, it was her system, uh, her, her place. So that was, and I remember just being terrified and, and I, that was part of the reason why I didn't really love ECC 
um, was just that experience. And I know other people have had experiences. Fortunately, I feel like where I did my internship and residency, honestly, I, I, I don't have any complaint about the techs there. I can see an experienced tech being really intimidating for a new doctor who's not sure. Yeah. Um, honestly, I just have like the fondest memories of the techs that I worked with during my intern year who were like, you should do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those are the best. Uh, but I can see I can see that being a, a common thing just based, yeah. on, just based on experience level and, and, and that kind of inherent discomfort that is, especially in ECC, the world of quick decisions and sick patients, you know, um, that kind of came into play yeah. for, for a lot of vet students. So I can understand as a student getting yelled at like that, that's going to, yeah. were you intimidated by this person before that had happened? Like through no. reputation? No, no, I don't think I knew about her before. I mean, I think I was, there was like more like whisperings of like, be careful yeah. in the ICU. Like the, but you were just like, course. whatever, I'm going to do my thing. And until yeah. you got yelled at, then you're like, oh, that's legit. I didn't, I, yeah. I also didn't think I really knew how the workflow was or what the set rules were, whether that was me not paying attention after <laughs> or whether it was actually just that it wasn't that clear. Um, yeah, that wasn't. Well, I can't believe that they let students touch Dopplers. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? You don't well, touch that? Accurate when done by skilled personnel. So, <laughs> oh, oh, oh my gosh. I got to tell her something. News break. They're not accurate then either. Random number generator. That's we know. right. Oh, <laughs> I literally quoted you the other day. Yes. I had a, a post-arrest patient and oh. I Oh, boy. We got a, a couple different values on uh, a Doppler. And I was like, ah, I like the highest one best. We'll go with that <laughs> one. And I said that knowing that if you were st- like actively saying, if Bobby was standing next to me, she would just go on her, you know, soapbox of like, we only believe the numbers we like. And this is no, I want to just laugh because if you say, if you acknowledge it, I think yeah. that I'm okay with it. If you're just like, ah, uh, you know what, do it again until we get yeah. a better one. Like yeah. I, I think that, that acknowledgement, but I, I would have been like, why are you doing it? Like <laughs> surely somebody has something more important to be doing. That's yeah. really what I would have complained about. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, do it until you get the number and then stop. Like, let's not run it anymore. <laughs> stop checking. Exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. And then it's fine. Uh, it's funny. So, uh, yeah. So you had, I feel like technicians can be very intimidating for students, interns, even clinicians sometimes. Um, and it is very much this, like, it's honestly kind of impressive when you think about it. Like when, when you think about, usually I think about intimidation being a power imbalance and you have somebody who like, I, I mean, how much did that ICU tech have on you as a student? Like, did they grade you? Were they going to be writing you letters of recommendation? Was anybody going to be reaching out to this person to write? Oh, a re- like, well, I wonder if they ha- if they asked their, I don't, I don't really know if they asked their input for grades and things like that. Um, like, what are the odds? What are the yeah. odds that that one person has a huge influence on your grade? Yeah. Pretty slim, right? So this person has just been like, I have this power. It is mine. And everybody's like, I guess it's yours then, you know, like power to make you feel kind of bad. Confident, which I feel like as a student, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sort of getting there. Like I, I could handle some. Right. <laughs> you're like, but no, like, you're this person nothing. has taken this power, but that does require us to some degree to give them that power, right. To like, let them be like, I guess you do have that power, you know, like at some point, like, do you question that and be like, wait, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like but I also I also didn't know her as a person, right? Sure. What if she like, what if she works like two jobs and this is her second job and she's just like I just need yeah, to get Yeah, she's my- gone 8 weeks of overnight, she was having a bad <laughs> a bad run of it. Um but but I do feel like there's there's a power imbalance and but it's it's not a completely one-sided thing. Like somebody can't take all the power without our consent in some ways. 
you know, mm. it's hard as a student, yeah. right? Like, so I think the lower yeah. you are, you're just like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know how things work around here. I'm just trying to keep my head down and not fail out so I can go through, get my de- degree and go on and be a vet. So I do understand that whole, like, not wanting to rock the boat. I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't really understand that because I've always been a boat rocker, but like, logically, <laughs> logically, I understand why people would choose that. Um, and um it's just, it's just kind of a weird thing. All right, Carl, do you have examples or an example? I, I have, I have an example that actually involves you and <gasps> ah, yeah. yeah, but it's not the way you think though. <laughs> um, this was, I don't remember if it was either my intern year or my first year of residency. I don't remember which one it was, but you had saw a patient in the ER mm-hmm. and you, your final, like at the end of it, it was supposed to transfer to internal medicine would be, uh-huh. was a short of that. Uh-huh. So of course, you know, we control transfer list. So I put on transfer list, transferred to internal medicine. And the next morning, the medicine faculty comes into the ICU and has like this huge blow up with like yeah. yelling. And this patient is not supposed to come into internal medicine. It's supposed to go to surgery. We saw it and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was like this huge blow up. And you could tell that they were trying to intimidate me to transfer it to a yeah. different service and not theirs. It was their intentions was to intimidate yeah. me. And I was sitting there like, I was on pause for a minute, like, man, cause it, I thought this person and I had a good relationship before now. And it wasn't like, hey, can we talk? Can we like, can I just yeah. ask you about this, this patient? Nothing, it was just like yeah. instant yelling, instant mm-hmm. arms in the air, you know, huge blow up. Oh. And the texts are all, the texts from the back of the room, like, whoa, is this guy like, seriously? Yeah. So <clears throat> my response was, I just said, well, Dr. Connor said it was transferring to medicine. So that's where I sent it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were like, well, it doesn't matter if you read the discharges from previous before it says to go to surgery. And I'm like, well, my faculty told me to transfer it to medicine. I said, but I'm pretty sure if we just talk about it, we can like figure it out. And they're like, we're not trying, we're not talking about anything. It's going, it's going to surgery. So, you know, I was just like, all right. They were like, well, can you send the transfer list? I was like, well, I'll send a new one out after we talk about it with, you know, faculty. I don't remember who the faculty was that day. But it's like got into this, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally, I think some kind of way, one of I think Dr. Sherry was there. He was like, maybe you guys talk about this in the hallway or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know how Sherry is. Yeah. But like, and, and I was like, I'm fine to talk about it. But I was like, let's yeah. just, I think it just needs to go to medicine until we figure it out. And then like long story short was, you know, later on, like a few days later, I went to that person and I was like, I asked them, I was like, what was that about? Yeah. And, and they told me, they were like, they were just frustrated in the moment, yeah. you know, and, and it still, it still was unexcusable. They definitely tried to intimidate me, but they owned up to it and told me like, I was frustrated in the moment, had a lot going on. And I think that happens a lot with intimidation mm-hmm. sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you know, you, you have these like boiling points and then you just come in and you blow up on people and some people at carries with them for forever and that person is yeah. forever intimidating to them and that happens with yeah. a lot of our people that we work with they have these reputations that you know they blow up and then they're forever intimidating and and probably you know I'm sure somebody probably had you know cat that could even be your situation and cat somebody could have said before when she's on overnights man like stay away from her she's you know the worst <laughs> to talk to when she's yeah. on overnights and those students ratted you out to the faculty like she was intimidating us in rounds Thankfully and you were just for me like, your faculty was like yeah it's fine <laughs> it's fine exactly exactly but yeah I, I that's the one you know I, there's all kind of instances but I, that, that one always yeah. just sticks with me because even to this day the person I are still like we, we have a good rapport we, we I can call that's that good. person right now 
Good. Yeah. And is this one of those instances where it, I think that in other situations that would turn into something like I'd hold a grudge against that person. I'm never talking yeah. to that person again. They but like yelled at me in front of people. Yeah. But I think a lot of other people would have caved under that situation, Carl, that have been like, okay, okay. I'm like, let me do the thing. Yeah. So, because I do think, yeah. okay, I want to point out two things. One, I must not be that intimidating because you invoking my name, Connor, that didn't have any impact whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm obviously not very intimidating. Otherwise they would have been like, oh, Connor said in that case, then we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that I do, no, but I do feel like in being intimidating in like in a situation like that is almost a learned behavior right? Like mm-hmm. if I blow up and I yell and I scream and I get my way, I that encourages me to yep. do it again next time. Yep. Um, and so if you have a situation like you're like, Hey, you're blowing up, like letting, okay, you're frustrated, but we need to have a conversation. This isn't just like yeah. you blow up and therefore you get your way kind of like with children. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if they learn that every time they throw a tantrum, they get what they want. Tantrums yep. work, right? Like yep. that, yep. or you say, no, this isn't how we're going to do it. And we need to, we need to kind of find a different way to solve this problem. Um, cause that's really what that is. That's like an adult tantrum, right? For and sure. So, that's exactly um, what it was. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, that's embarrassing on them too. Like <laughs> it is, you should know your tip and you should know how to of the whole ICU, all the texts. There was like a couple students in there. I'm just standing there like, what is really going on Why right now? I being like, yelled at? Yeah, yeah. I was just doing what I was told. Yeah. You don't need to and, yell at me. We can talk about this. We can't talk yeah. about this. Like, no, we, we can, we're going to have yep. to otherwise. Yep. Okay. I also got it. Do you remember what happened to the case? Did it go to medicine or surgery? <laughs> do you really want to know that do remember I, no that's the answer yep okay yep <laughs> dang dang yep yep i i remember the faculty that was on now and i i yeah. it all came back to me <clears throat> it was a uh, one of our more people pleasing faculty ah and it, yeah. and it no, no. That's not crawl. I know exactly who you're talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I. It's tough. Now again, like we can have a conversation, right? Like you can have. Hey, we think this really should go to surgery for these reasons, and like, that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with you disagreeing with where a case should go, but it's the way you handle it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We deal with that here. Obviously, you guys know we deal with this all the time. We've all dealt with this. Transferred people not thinking the case was transferred to the service it should have been. It's like okay, and when people come and they talk to me calmly about it and it's like all right I hear what you're saying all right here's why we went with this this was our thought process is that okay mm-hmm. all right we can see that all right that makes sense or I go oh, okay I hear where you're coming from yeah not a problem let's see what we can facilitate um but also yep. like well we had sorted this out blah 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 I was like yeah cases change like things change yeah. um yeah. you know so we need to be able to adjust our expectations and do what we think is right um yeah I don't know but um, no longer have to deal with transfer problems anymore. <laughs> so what, because you just keep everything or? Yeah, um... yeah. It's really, really <laughs> frustrating to manage something with like seven different chronic diseases that don't go together. Mm. But mm. yeah, <laughs> everybody's no got that. Yeah, we don't have soft tissue surgery here. So like yeah. we have, I've, we have four cases on ER right now that all need like anesthesia and like major wound care stuff. Like, like, oh, ooh, this probably should see oh. a soft tissue. Oh, and then we have this poor, this like the most adorable cat ever who had, I think he was just like a bad idiopathic cystitis, but like his penis is like disintegrated Black. and he has to have a PU. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but we don't have soft tissue. So like, it's just like, um, we're not doing PUs on ER, but um, we are doing a lot of wound care and that kind of thing. And, um, yeah. and in some ways it's good. You guys know, we, we did a lot of wound care and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's tough when you don't have the service that you want and, you know, you do the best you can, but man, but yeah, those, those frustrate me more than anything. It's like, this isn't, this shouldn't be us. This shouldn't be us. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just take a moment. Let's take a moment. 
can we all agree that somebody needs to take care of this animal? Can we just at least start with that, that at some point the animal needs care? None of this is the pet's fault. None of this is the client's fault. Can we just sit down and then talk calmly as adults and say, you know, where do we go? It was an airway case too. It was a case that you recommend that they They work it up, image the airway and do a workup and medicine was saying it needed surgery for the airway. That's what they were saying. Yeah. Which again, like, you know, those, we can disagree about that. We can, but it can be a conversation. Like it should be, Hey, here's why we don't think this needs this. It's like, well, what, like does surgery know what specific procedure it needs? Cause it sounds like maybe there's more to it. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I might've been wrong. <laughs> right. I might've been wrong, but again, it coming in and yelling about it. Is, it didn't, is, yeah. It didn't, it didn't warrant a, a huge blow up like that. Like, yeah. So no. that was a situation where somebody was trying to intimidate you and you just put up a wall and you're like, no, not, not doing this. Um, yeah. which is not easy to do because there was a power imbalance in that situation. For sure. um, is that because you just gotten to the point in your life where you're just like, dude, no, I'm not dealing with this. Or like, have you never, are you, are you just not easily intimidated? Would you not say? anymore. I I've definitely been to the point, you know, especially in, in vet med where yeah. you know, this was early on in my career, mm-hmm. that'd have been a no brainer. Like, Oh, okay, here you yep. go. Two clicks of a button. I can change this for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just not, not where I am anymore. Even at that time, even more yeah. so now, but just not in that predicament anymore. I understood the situation and it didn't just need to be an automatic here. And let me give you yeah. your way. Yeah. Need to be, let's figure it out. But you do have to get to a point either in your life or your career where you feel confident enough that you can say no when somebody is, would otherwise intimidate you. Um, yeah. And, and so it does, like I said, I, for me, it comes down to like, there does need to be a power imbalance or again, either real or perceived power imbalance. Um, but you do at some point get to a stage where you're just like, nope, not going to be intimidated by you anymore. Um, or the, the, the one that really confuses me is you have somebody who's just like really advanced in their career. Um, like they're really good, really well known um, in something like, oh, that's the person who described, but they invented the TPLO. Like, and I went and listened to him talk. Oh no, I wouldn't go ask them the question. That would be, that would be intimidating. I was like, what are you talking about? Like what this person, you know what I mean? Like those situations where, oh, it would be too intimidating to go up and ask this person a question or to do this. It was like, there isn't a, there isn't a real, at least from my perspective, there's not a real power imbalance. Like somebody who's further along or knows more than me, like, well, that's not intimidating. That's just cool. That's, that's who I want to talk to. Right. I that's a resource. Yeah. 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 But I do feel like sometimes, um, you know, people feel that way. Like I'll hear that from students like, oh, that's the person who said this or does this. And that's really intimidating. It's like, no, they're just, they're a resource. Yeah. That'd be like even with, textbook is intimidating. Even with clients, Connor, when, when, when clients intimidate yeah. students, yeah. you know, and, and they like bully them and run over, those are the ones I want, like, give me, give me, give yeah. me, give me, like, yeah. I, I, I want that client, you know, right. I, I love that when a student comes out, like, this client just yelled at me, I'm like, oh, let's go, turn around, let's go back in together, <laughs> like, I love I it, I love I it love scolding you, grandparents, yeah. like, it's just great, <laughs> yeah, you, it's not accepted, and the okay. student appreciates that so much when you back them oh, up, oh, yeah, like, they yeah. love it, they, they're inside, mm-hmm. they're just like smiling and giggling and laughing, like, yeah, yeah, take that, yeah. take that, yeah. Yeah, it's they huge. It. Um, but yeah. I do think people learn that, that if they behave a certain way in a lot of situations, and I think it's a lot of conflict avoidance, right? Most people are just like, I don't like conflict and um, and I want to avoid it at all costs. And it's easier a lot of the time to just be like, okay, you can get your way. Um, sure. But I'm just, I'm pretty stubborn and I'm like, no. <laughs> Carl, you're like me, you're stubborn. You're like, uh-uh, bring <laughs> no, it. Not happening, not happening. So Kat, you're, how, how are you on the feeling intimidated side of the spectrum? Uh, I think I've definitely, like, I agree that the power imbalance is probably when I was most intimidated mm-hmm. uh, in life, in my career. 
And as I've gotten to, I'm still the, the concept of certain people or the thought of them intimidates me. Like there's certain people in our world that I'm like, oh my gosh, like the first time I called uh, Cornell to transfer a a case, I can't even tell you about the case at this point. Uh It was just, I remember the phone call um, to Cornell and Dan Fletcher's who I spoke to. And I'm like, you are everyone I studied for boards. Like you are all over papers and lectures. <laughs> but and- he's like the nicest, least intimidating person. Yeah. Like actually, nicest. I know, he's but so great, but yeah, yeah, it's a name. Wonderful. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen him present at conferences. I've mm-hmm. never heard a b- bad word about him, but he was still the concept of him being this superior being within our world, which I think if he heard this, he would just laugh. Um, (laughs) I'll tell him about it next time I talk to him. You know, it's (laughs) just like those things. And even just like the first time I met Claire Sharp and just like certain people Mm -hmm. and they are Mm -hmm. wonderful and they're wealth, they're a wealth of knowledge and they're so kind. Um, but the thought of them was very intimidating. Yeah. And you know, it's, once you meet the person, you're like, oh, it's, yeah. this is a person. <laughs> yeah. They're just what do you know? <laughs> yeah. But but in my daily interactions, right. um, I think to what Carl's saying, I definitely have there are definitely some individuals that get heated a lot faster uh, at the the current hospital I work at. And I've come to just use communication skills to kind yeah. of calm down the situation. I think the idea that you, um, you can encourage an environment by representing it, by not getting heated with them, by keeping yeah. your cool and then just kind of guiding and having a conversation, you can really quell the, com- the situation. Yeah. And then you, but can you can't be intimidated, them. right? Because you, right. you get intimidated, you, have, you right. shut down, you can't right. escalate it either. So you got to right. find that sweet spot where you're not intimidated. You feel like you can like stand, stand up at your like, ground. Yeah. yeah. Like we're going to have a conversation. I'm not going to make right. this worse um, because I feel like people either will escalate and they're like, you know, right. argue back. I can do that sometimes. Um, and <laughs> I know shocks, shocks you guys. I'm sure. Um, I, yeah. But you can't just like roll over either. You right. got to find that. Sweet I spot. think it comes down to realizing that uh, funny enough, I learned this in the class we called feelings class. It was the end of life course at UF the first yeah. time they ever did it. You and called it, it the feelings class. We called it feelings class. <laughs> uh, it was lap of love that came in, but they're all the yeah. uh, two creators or founders of lap of love are like highly trained in communication skills, which is all yeah. what end of life is. Right. Uh, and that's what I learned the most uh, from that course. But I took from that ways that I could speak to clients and it's actually yeah remarkable, but I use it in my day-to-day, you know, between doctors conversations in that moment where you have to, like, you have to continue, you continue the conversation versus just saying no, but you continue it at an appropriate level. And eventually they're going to mimic how you are as well. There's also the moments where you just need to not interact because there's too much emotion. emotion. And then you can come back um, together. And I think eventually you build that relationship. So there is no intimidation, but like you said, you can't go into it being intimidated. You just have to acknowledge that people are human, like, and maybe they are having a really bad day, right? (laughs) It's just, uh, maybe they're having a bad day or maybe that you, what you don't recognize is that that situation has happened four times in the last Mm -hmm. two weeks. You Mm -hmm. were not part of it, but now you're at the tip of the iceberg where you're Mm -hmm. like, why am I receiving all of this backlash for something that's so minor, minor. but either way. So I think that, um, that's a big part of learning how to not be 
be intimidated is recognizing that it's probably not you. Um, there are definitely moments where like something I've done or said, or the way I said something fueled a moment without realizing it without intentional. And then you kind of say, Oh gosh, like I didn't mean for that to come off. But for my approach for that is quickly acknowledging it and saying, Hey, I wanted to talk Mm. to you. I want to talk to you. And like, I don't want you to That's feel I'm unapproachable. That was an error on my part. And I'm, yeah. I apologize, you know, whatever yeah. it is. So for me, it's making sure that, like I said, with that example, with the students, when I was a resident, that's an unavoidable, uh, for me, it's just unavoidable. I'm concise. I'm to the point and I'm getting my tasks accomplished. Yeah. Um, but in the moments where I've maybe, you know, unintentionally done or said something that created an emotion on someone else's end that I wanted to to avoid, I acknowledge it very quickly. And I try to learn from that. And that's my way of preventing myself from being intentionally unapproachable. Well, and that's even the same thing. You're just, you know, you're not doing eight weeks in a row of overnights anymore, hopefully. But like, if you were in a situation where you were like that, you're like, Hey, Hey guys, I'm in the middle of this. So you know what? I realized that I might come across as abrupt or a little short, but I'm tired and I just want to get through this. So can we be super efficient? And like, that might intimidate some people, but you've, you've kind of set the stage. You're like, you know what, once I get some sleep or nine cups of coffee, it's going to be a very different story. <laughs> but, um, so I think it's okay to kind of preempt some of that stuff too, but, yeah. or you can do what Sam does and just go work with like some of the nicest people in the world, <laughs> go, yeah. go work with the carvers. And then it's like, it's yeah. probably never an issue. Um, I don't know. Do you so have, what, what is do you an have? argument? Exactly. What? Um, is that, is that like your solution to that, Sam? Let's just work with carvers. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, <laughs> Um, I like, I just like, I do emotional check-ins, which is probably just related to knowing my, I, I, I probably struggle more, or I think I do, um, with like reading people sometimes. So like if, if someone's giving me where they're just like lashing out and I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Is there something that I can do to make things easier? Do, do you need a snack or something like that? Like, what's going on? Just going to cover all my, my That's because Sam was like a toddler. when she was hungry. You always are you hungry? She's got Snickers. I, know that too. I, get, I start to get angry when things build and I haven't had lunch yet. And it's two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. I'm like, I gotta check myself. I need a snack before I start to like, you know, so like, I, I think tossing Snickers out to everybody at work. I love it. I would work there. That sounds good. <laughs> how you, it has to tell you keep happiness as you feed people. Um, <laughs> No, I don't know. Yeah. I, I do those little emotional check-ins with people. And even like, yeah, if I, I have technical staff that are kind of giving me a little bit more sass than usual, I'll just be like, is, ever, is everything okay? Like, are you doing okay today? And then sometimes that just takes them back and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just having a, and, and they just, they, they do their own mental check-in and it, not yeah. that they need to tell me their business or I expect them to tell me their business, but at least it kind of just you it's know. your subtle way of being like, Hey, yeah, <laughs> I'm noticing some yeah. extra angst, and which Sam, is nice when you build those relationships. Yeah. You probably recognize that moment again. It wasn't whatever was going on, wasn't personal towards you. So it was easier for you to say, is there, you know, is there anything I can help you with or how are you doing today? Yeah. And especially when you, yeah, when you know their personality and historically right. they're, not, they're not like that, something's going on. Yeah. And we've all had those days where we're just mm-hmm. not the version, yeah. the best version of ourselves for whatever reason. So there's a little bit of that again, it's harder in a person that you've just met or you're just yeah. interacting, mm-hmm. or there is a huge difference where you don't know that person personally because they're, you know, your your mentor or you, you know, a faculty member or something like that. And you have no grounds know. to know them more personally than right. that. Then yeah, it's, it's harder to to connect those dots. But so it's nice to have somebody 
in your sphere, if you're the kind of person who could intimidate people, I'm looking at you and me, Kat, um, uh, who, uh, it's nice to have somebody who isn't intimidated by you, who can do what Sam does and just be like, Hey, mm-hmm. are you doing all right? Oh crap. Was I being a jerk? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> because if you're not intimidated by this technician, but maybe somebody else is. And so yeah. providing that perspective for them might be really helpful. Cause maybe, maybe a junior technician was like, Oh, I'm walking on eggshells around this person. Um, yeah. so that's also helpful too, to just be like, Hey, just so you know, um, I've noticed that, you know, so-and-so is just like, they're walking 10 extra feet around you right now. And I don't think it's COVID related. Like, I think, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe you just need to do a little self, like you said, that self check-in. And if you can, if you can create those relationships to, um, to be able to have that, like, Hey, just FYI. Um, so it's, it's nice when you get to the point with somebody you're not intimidated, but maybe you can help them try not to intimidate others too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Other, other thoughts. I was laughing about like Kat talking about like people in, in like our sphere. And, um, and I laugh about that because I, I think, okay, so for you guys, you guys know me um, and presumably not intimidated by me. Um, but so with like being on the ACVEC executive board and that kind of thing, like there's going to be some other people coming up. Oh, okay. That's, that's like, oh, that's so weird. Like, you know, when I became president of ACVEC, I, nobody else was running, right? Like this isn't really all that impressive. <laughs> like this isn't that amazing of an accomplishment. <laughs> Somebody yes, said, hey, is. would you do this? And I was like, sure. And then it was like, I guess I'm doing this. Like it's um, it's kind of a, like, Tilbury gives me heart. It's like, no, it's a big deal. I'm like, it's, eh. it is. Um, but it's funny because once you get to that point, and like you said, <clears> once you get to know somebody like Dan Fletcher, and you're just like, oh no, he's not intimidating at all. Um, that I think I benefit from like not being intimidated, intimidated because I'm just not aware. I'm like, who's that? People are like, oh, that's so and so. He wrote this textbook. I'm like, who wrote that textbook? I read that textbook, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know who, I don't know who the name on it is, you know. Yeah. And um, and so I think I, I have the luxury of just blissfully unaware of a lot of these situations, and so I don't know better than to not be intimidated. <laughs> um, but I, I do find that to be kind of funny, or it's like, oh, that person's really intimidating because their name is at the bottom of a letter that I got once when I was told that, you know, I, I, you know. I'm in the group. I'm in the club. You're like, oh, that person is like, yeah. It was just kind of random chance that that's who that is. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Um, yeah. But it is. It is kind of funny. Like when you get in on it, you're like, really, nah, wasn't that big a deal? But from the outside looking in, it seems like a bigger deal. Um, you know what's funny about that is when I was when I was taking my boards, you were president of the exam committee. Oh yeah. And yeah. I. Yeah like at some point mentioned like, yeah, my, like, that's actually my mentor. And they're like, oh, and I was like, trust me, she is the president because she is ethical. (laughs) I gave no additional insight, maybe even less than the average participant. She's very careful not to give a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I gained nothing out of that. Um, Well, you know, no, I know. Please, no advantage, but like the <laughs> elevation, there was no, like you were automatically elevated. Like you said, yeah. Yeah. because of that title. Yeah. Where for you, uh, you and were now like, you're president no. of the actual president elect. I don't yeah. have to do anything yet. <laughs> Not for well. another year and a half. Um, but, but yeah, but no. it's funny how those things happen. I mean, the becoming president of the exam committee was I was on the exam committee because somebody asked, Hey, do you want to be on the exam committee? I was like, yep. And so I did that for a few years and then we're like, okay, somebody else needs to take over exam chair, Bobby. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I mean, because I, I like the committee and, you know, I think people look around and you're like, that is somebody who will get work done. And so you get to 
do that people ask you to do stuff because you do stuff it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy but that's it like that's my qualification is that somebody asked and I said yes like that that's that's the trajectory wow. of of you know and so for people to be like ooh that's a big deal like like we went through this like like there was some hunger game style competition to get to oh, be the president <laughs> of the exam committee or anything and you're like no it's really somebody asked and I was like sure that's it that's what it took um so I think that perspective is really funny but again for you you know me and so it's not like oh yeah yeah that's just a, that's a thing right. that, that Bobby did but um, like, it's like whenever I received emails and your name is on it and it's all about the exam for me, it's like, there's an email from Bobby, right? but like to right. everyone else sitting the exam, yeah. that's the person to be, to, that's controlling yeah. the rest of my life. Instant read, read every yeah. word, every detail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where you guys were like, delete. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'll just text her later. I'll just ask her later. Yeah. <laughs> Call her tonight. That email the, the, the email chain, like the, the VEX board, yes. that's, that's intimidating. Like getting on that and asking a clinical question. I, I will admit oh, that I am, yeah. I am intimidated of the email listserv. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a fair because point. Because the, the perception is that every, like, for me, the perception is if I ask, if I like, present a case that I'm having issues with, it's, are they going to think I'm an, a moron? And okay, I Okay, so for, for those obvious. listening who don't know what this is, so um, ACVEX ha- has a listserv. So basically they're an email that goes out to all of the diplomats that are on the listserv, which is most of us. Um, and so somebody can be like, hey, I have this case and I just want some insight. And um, and so, yeah, they'll send out an email and then people give their feedback, which is supremely helpful. That's amazing. Um, and sometimes it's like, I sent one out. I was like, hey, I'm buying, I need to buy a new ventilator. What do people have and what do they like? So those kinds of things go out on this list. It's just, a, it's a quick and easy way Way. Um, Carl, you'll be getting those soon. It's a quick and easy way for everybody to, um, to just chat with each other, but it is a little bit like you, you do need to feel like I have enough expertise that I can comment on this. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I get that. Like, I didn't respond to a lot of those early on either. Um, I, was like, I don't know. Let's look at these people who yeah. know more than me. Names on there too. You're like, Oh shoot. So-and-so is responding. Yeah. Damn. I mean, people read them and they listen. And, yeah. Um, but there are absolutely times where, you know, you might be surprised that you know about this better than somebody else. You know, somebody like there's, there's things that people are like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I there encourage was, everybody to join the exam committee because yeah. it does give you perspective. You're like, Oh dang, that person knows a ton about this. And then you start talking mm-hmm. about something else and they're like, Oh, they don't know. And you're like, Oh, okay. I know stuff too. Like we all have <laughs> our things. We all have yeah. our things that, you know, become kind of your subspecialty, your niche yeah. and that you get really good at. And then you start talking to people and you're like, Oh, not everybody really actually understands all the bits and pieces to fibrinolysis. Like I do, like I nerd out about that. And so I, I can feel really smart talking to people about that, but then they start, you know, talking about ophthalmology stuff. And I'm like, we can just enucleate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there are other things where I'm just like, I don't really know. Or somebody starts talking nutrition and I'm just like, "Mm -hmm." I know what macronutrients are Um, (laughs) and food is good. That's what I know. You know, so, but other people where you're just like, Oh, dang, they like, that's what they know. That's their thing. Um, so I think that's the other thing that you provide, you get perspective where you talk to somebody who's like, this is their thing. They're so good at this. You talk to Dan Fletcher about CPR. Like, yeah, I'm not going to correct Dan on anything he says about CPR. Like that's his thing. Um, but there are probably other things that because he's been focusing so much on recovery and CPR, like there's probably other things that I, I probably could be like, actually Dan, it's this. And he's a lovely person. So he'd be like, Oh, that's great. I, I, I you know, I appreciate that perspective. We should but probably I, tag him in this podcast, by the way. <laughs> oh, I will. I'll send him an email. I'll be like, we talked a lot about you today. <laughs> you are going to have to listen for a good hour to get to that point. But, right. um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, 
this was fun. It was fun catching up. Um, I would, we're going to have to sing because my music button's not working. So I'm going to need you guys to sing. Sing. Um, that's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies first. Nope. <laughs> um, it's, you guys should know the music to the pie. You guys all listen regularly, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All 100. Uh, episode 99. Episode 100. This is the 100th episode. So excited to have you guys all here. It was really great to catch up. Um, we don't have any outro music, so you guys are just going to have to to listen to us all saying goodbye. But so good to talk to all of you. I'm excited to have this up. This one will be also on YouTube, so we can see everybody's faces on this. So um, thanks nice. for wearing a robe today, Kat. Mine, it's, a <laughs> it's a sweater. It's a sweater. No. <laughs> Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye.